Hello and welcome to the Okra Legacy Podcast, where in a number of episodes, we will examine the story of the Okra Project and the impact that it is having on European research. Hi, I'm your host, Zach Smith, and in this first episode, we'll be examining the challenges at the beginning of the project. To do this today, I'll be joined by David Haynes, Jakob Tendel, and Rob Caridio. Hey guys, nice to have you with us. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about yourselves? Okay, I'm Dave Haynes. I'm the project director on, on the Okra project. I'm also the head of cloud services at Cheont. Um, and I have been working with the research education community for about 30 years. I participated in, the, in a previous similar framework to this um, as a supplier, actually. Um, but I had worked for a large research university for many years and, and understood the requirements of the research community in terms of digital services. And how about yourself, Jakob? So I, um, I work with DFN, which is the research and education network in Germany. And uh, I've been involved in the um, higher education and research cloud uh, space now for a number of years and actively participated in the previous iteration of the cloud services framework tender activity that, that happened in 2016. So I'll bring a bit of continuity uh, to, to the Okra project in terms of how to uh, you know, specify and, and roll out the cloud service uh, frameworks to the NREN communities and from there to research and education institutions. Thanks, Jakob. And last but not least, Rob. Thanks, Zach. So hi, everyone. I'm Rob Carilio, and as you mentioned, I'm the Work Package Leader for Community Outreach and Requirements for OCR. My home organization is Trust AT, and we specialize in uh, community engagement and communications, especially for the research and innovation area. Um, I've been involved in a number of uh, EOSC implementation projects uh, since the first EOSC pilot project. Thanks, everyone. So the first question I wanted to ask you all is what were the initial challenges Okra set out to overcome? Yeah, thanks, Zach. Um, Okra, of course, obviously is a, is a much more ambitious and, and uh, varied project than, than the previous uh, effort was, but it takes up the, the, the core mission of uh, enabling the, uh, the community of, of research networks and uh, European research institutions to deliver more cutting edge uh, compute and data manipulation services to our research communities. You know, this is following the trend of digital transformation, which is going through the entire society. And uh, specifically the Okra project, uh, you know, even through its name, you know, open clouds for resource uh, research environments. And uh, so the mission there was to uh, make a multi multitude of steps to improve access to digital consumable services and data sources uh, for research communities. I think just to add that the, the project actually came about because the European Commission recognized the benefits that, that Jakob has just spoken about in terms mm -hmm. of um, research activities and outcomes and the improvement um, that the use of digital services add. I think we are living in a time of unprecedented innovation 
based on cloud services, based on the fact that there are very low barriers to entry for um, startups. So there's a lot of innovation taking place. A lot of it is focused on research. And I think because these are commercial services, one of the challenges that the European Commission sought to overcome was that commercial services are often difficult to procure, particularly using public funding. So what we aimed to do is actually provide a platform by which the European researchers could easily access these commercial digital services. Um, just to point out at this, at this point, though, we also focused on not only commodity cloud services um, and kind of related platform and software offerings, but we also focused on the services that are being distributed by the suppliers of Earth Observation Services consuming Copernicus data. Um, and, and this has kind of taken a little bit of a backseat in the project, but it is an important deliverable nonetheless. So um, from my side, um, looking after communications and, and dissemination. So from the beginning, it was already clear um, that for the project to achieve, you know, the, the lofty uh, targets and goals that it wanted to achieve, uh, we needed to build a community. Uh, for us, uh, a community of, of real people who are interested in the outputs of the project is really key. And this is really a foundation for the success of the future endeavors of a project. So um, one of the key things that we had to do, especially uh, right from the beginning, is really to you know, engage our supplier community um, and, and as well as you know, the demand side as well for the researchers and, and the research institutions and sort of introduce them to what Ochre was doing. Um, also, uh, specifically, uh, apart from you know, the overall academic and research uh, the European research community. We also specifically wanted to focus um, on the earth observation community, both on the supplier side, as well as on the demand side. So the, the users of, of EO services. So that was one of our uh, initial challenges in the beginning. So once the project started, what were the initial stumbling blocks? So once the project um, started, the initial stumbling blocks were to actually work out how to construct a framework slightly differently to the way the 2016 framework had been um, constructed, which, which kind of served a similar purpose. But what we really needed to do was ensure that specifically the research community in Europe, the researchers had access to, to services, but also to support for those services um, locally in their countries, potentially in, in their local languages, um, and, and really services that were supplied by um, European suppliers and European resellers of, of hyperscale services that were focused on this community and, and, and really were dedicated to enhancing the, the activities and outcomes of the research community. Initially, uh, at the beginning of the Aqua project, we realized that there are many more moving parts in that project than, than was in the, in the previous cloud procurement activity that the Jeon community had already gone through. So the Okra project, as we've already heard, includes the, the concept of the Earth observation services. It also included the, uh, the additional aspect of uh, adoption funding, uh, a significant uh, amount that needed to be uh, planned on how to disseminate that. There was the concepts of several waves of vouchers that were at the, at the you know, extant at the time. And uh, specifically in the, in the early days, 
of preparing for the for the cloud uh, compute procurement, we also had um, several different uh, ideas around NRINs and bio groups making uh, explicit commitments of uh, purchasing volume uh, to you know get certain concessions from the suppliers, and that there was there was a lot of in depth uh, discussions happening early on. On, on how to plan that. And then that ended up being streamlined uh, to a certain extent to, to then you know, be able to meet the deadlines of the procurement. But you know, there, there, were, there was a lot of uh, coordination and integration and understanding necessary between a whole set of very different project partners with different previous experiences. I mean, you know, the, the, the CERN community had come out of the Helix Nebula uh, experience and, and that that project and, and brought certain expectations and experiences in the Jian community had come out of the the previous uh, cloud framework tender uh, and, and you know brought knowledge and perspective from a certain uh, you know subset of uh, uh, ultimately uh, a target audience so that took a while to to get going and uh, you know, after Je uh, Dave uh, joined the project, then things uh, started picking up and going much better. Uh, yeah, from my side, so um, maybe I can help frame these uh, initial challenges in terms of the, the phases um, that the project was in. Uh, so uh, in the beginning, uh, of course, you know, we, we had this requirements gathering phase. It was all a lot of analysis, trying to understand our audience, um, trying to understand um, our stakeholders, what they want, um, and that will feed basically into the activities of, of the later stages. So already from the beginning, uh, we already had to carry out um, these surveys. Um, but first, even before that, we had to actually identify, well, who are these, these users going to be? So for the cloud services, that was uh, easy enough. Um, it, it, you know, we found out that yes, indeed, they are being used. There is demand. Uh, there's a lot of demand for commercial cloud services from researchers. On the other hand, there was also we had to do the similar activity of, of doing this uh, this requirements gathering specifically for users of Earth observation services, and that was uh, a little bit more challenging because it was um, you know it's not as straightforward to actually find. Uh, you know, users specifically of Earth observation services, um, but you know, with with our partners uh, from RIA and and from uh, ERSC as well, uh, and even Flow, um, basically our, our Earth observation team, they've been uh, very very helpful um, in identifying these uh, users. So instead of uh, let's say running you know wide uh, surveys, we actually identified. Um, Earth observation champion users, those actually who use Earth observation services and do uh, extensive interviews with them. And um, so the result of this requirements gathering uh, phase was basically we, we came up with, with um, lots of insights um, and this essentially fed into the next phase, which is, you know, aggregating demand and then trying to uh, design the tender. And then eventually the last phase of the project, which is where we're in now, is more on uh, trying to encourage the adoption uh, of these services. So uh, from, from my side, that's, that's it. Thanks, Rob. So one of the things that you mentioned there was aggregating demand, which was one of the important pillars for the beginning of the project. But 
Could you tell us how that was actually carried out in practice? Okay, so, so aggregating demand was actually a lot easier than it sounds. Um, we had really, you know, the consulting partners represented really established um, research communities um, in, in, in themselves. Shant is a, um, a membership organization. Its members are the national research and education networks across Europe. Each of them are membership organizations and their members are the research institutes and the universities. So that in itself was a, a huge community that, that helped us present a really big opportunity to, to the market. Um, on top of that, we were working with organizations like CERN who have their own research communities extensive, um, already using cloud services. We worked with Trust IT and their outreach through the European Open Science Cloud, um, the science clusters. So we were able to aggregate a really, really big community in support of, of, of negotiating with the suppliers. On the Earth Observations side, we had um, the RAO group working with ERSC, um, working with the European Space Agency. So we were also able to, to aggregate some demand in the consumers of Earth Observation Services. So we went to market um, with a tender that I think clearly represented a, a massive opportunity for the market. And I think the market response to that tender clearly indicated that we, you know, we, we, we did indeed um, aggregate these needs. Yeah, I can share the, the perspective of aggregating demand from the, the research network community and from their stakeholders in institutional IT. So having gone through the, the previous iteration of, of such a procurement exercise already, we had fairly well established channels of communications and we also had some real world uh, data to point to. Um, at the same time, we also saw that the... Um, that the, the relatively modest uh, uptake in, in many countries couldn't just be extrapolated forward because we were seeing these uh, societal shifts uh, happening. And we also saw and experienced that um, a lack of uptake by the framework was not always equal uh, to a lack of demand from the end user communities. It was often... Uh, the challenge of uh, establishing new communications channels from institutional uh, IT management uh, towards the research communities at the institutions and basically to assist institutions to go through the digital transformation. And whenever those institutions have reached a certain maturity level, they were then able to easily use the frameworks and uh, saw great value from them, but there was a lot of work that needed to happen on a, on, on a very broad community basis before the real value impact of, of the cloud frameworks became uh, completely visible. So uh, from a practical standpoint, uh, we ran a call uh, for expressions of interest uh, for those who essentially wanted to uh, be part or represented in the OCA tender. Um, and when we made this, this call, of course, we, we leveraged our uh, community building activities that we started at the beginning of the project, essentially you know, trying to gather as many contacts within the stakeholder groups uh, that we had identified. Um, and this overall represented um, 
or resulted in um, 39 countries uh, being represented in the ochre tender because um, around 30, 30 plus uh, organizations have expressed interest uh, to coordinate um, and they understood very well what were the responsibilities um, uh, lying in that. So that, that was a very good signal basically of, of the strong demand across Europe uh, for, for commercial uh, digital research services. Thanks. So while speaking about aggregating demand, you've mentioned this community around the project. So how did this community come to exist? How, how was it created? Right. So, um, so overall, uh, in the beginning, uh, for us, uh, for those that lead uh, communication, stakeholder engagement, uh, these sorts of activities for, for projects, um, you know, you need to make sure that uh, the infrastructure is ready from day one. You know, from day one of the project, um, the project website should be up, uh, the communications channels are up, which means social media, etc. Um, and then, you know, it's not as simple as just putting up, you know, one page uh, online and talking about the website and, and you know, and, and, and the, the project and what, what it has to offer but really you have to design it in a way that encourages people to, to sign up and take part in the project. So, um, you know, it's, it's not just a sort of uh, thing where you say, okay, here's what we're doing right now, um, but rather, you know, encouraging them to see themselves as part of this project and being part of it, of our community. So, you know, that, that requires building the user journeys in the website, telling them what exactly Oprah does for them, and that why they should sign up and join our community. Um, and that approach has really benefited us because we found that across all our stakeholder groups that we've identified, so researchers, research, research institutions, NRENs, um, actors in the EOS uh, community, cloud service providers, and earth observation companies. Um, so all of these are represented in our, in our community and they've all expressly requested uh, to be involved um, and to be informed of focus activities. Um, and then aside from that also, you know, keeping up the engagement with them as early as, you know, the first months of the project. So, I mean, we, we organized our first workshop also in the same day as the kickoff where we already engaged the, the suppliers uh, on the same same week as, as the kickoff, essentially. Um, so we already had that, those first uh, interactions with them. Uh, also, uh, so you know, you have your you have your workshops. Uh, also, webinars were really helpful uh, for them, uh, for our audience to really see who are the people behind the project, uh, and that's really important. And, and to hear from us directly, you know, how we can benefit them in their own activities. So we had a very active uh, webinars program uh, throughout the lifetime of the project where our audiences were informed uh, of our progress uh, as we move uh, towards, uh, you know, towards now up to present. Um, also, uh, we have to note that you know, the consortium is actually very well assembled. You, know, you have Giant, which had you know, the direct connection to the Emirates. Uh, which then had a direct connection to the 10,000 plus universities and research institutions across Europe. And you have RIA and ERSC and Evenflow who are really, you know, the actors in, in, in the EO community and who provided that, that you know, that extra specialist knowledge um, on how to engage the observation community, both, you know, on the supply side, but also in the demand side. 
of course, CERN also had access to the long tail of research. You know, those individual researchers who are working on a multitude of different topics. You know, they've been very, very uh, useful for us, especially, uh, you know, carrying out the requirements gathering activities. Um, and then, you know, as, as we move forward and, you know, it's, it, things just started snowballing. So more and more people got to know more about OCHR, more and more people wanted to, to take part and, and, you know, be informed about the, the project's uh, activities. And now we come to a point where, you know, uh, we're, we're in the phase where we're trying to encourage the adoption of services um, that resulted from the procurement. Um, and now, for example, we see that the NRENs and even the suppliers are actually carrying out their own promotional activities um, based on their partnership with Oak. So, um, you know, it's, it's all snowballing uh, towards the end, but this requires um, planning and strategy from the beginning. So it's not just something that will happen, you know, from accident. But if you plan this everything from the beginning, from day one, or even before that, um, then you'll benefit from this snowballing type of activity, and then you know you'll you'll reap the rewards towards the end. And I think it's important to note, you know, Rob Rob has kind of indicated that this has been an iterative process, and that our community grows every week. And I think the Okra communications team developed a you know a really important online presence. Um, the Okra site has a lot of information on it. Um, there's a lot of outreach. Um, Okra developed um, a cloud catalog um, by country to draw the local research community towards Okra and the European Open Science Cloud activities. Um, there is a, uh, an Earth Observation catalog currently. Um, there's still a fair amount of adoption funding distribution to distribute, and, and that means that there will be, be various open calls into the community, and those open calls are distributed really widely as well. They're distributed through the Okra channels, through Jaunt and the National Research and Education Network channels. So we, we are constantly working on, on, on outreach and I think our community is growing fairly rapidly. The um, Okra contracts are, are managed by the Jaunt contract management team and it's, a, it's part of the Jaunt project. And there is constant outreach through these activities. Um, and yeah, as I said, our, our, our um, community does continue to grow. Well, one of the remarkable things I find uh, looking back now across the Aqua project and specifically the uptake of the, the cloud services from the cloud computing framework, we're seeing very impressive growth, uh, not just in the amount uh, consumed uh, by a, a small number of, of leading countries, but we are now seeing additional countries unlocking the value of the upper frameworks and really contributing to that growth. Um, and that's very gratifying to see that we're actually delivering something really valuable and something highly appreciated uh, in many countries across Europe and a growing number of countries across Europe. And, and if I could just add to, to what Jakob said, um, I mentioned the contract management group um, and Jakob has mentioned the consumption, consumption trends. Each of the suppliers on the Okra framework have a mandatory requirement to report consumption through the framework. And this allows the contract management team to dashboard um, consumption trends, um, total consumption amounts, 
um, across the, the broader European community. And this is very, very interesting um, information for the community, for the European Commission in terms of the success of this project. And I think, um, you know, that, that being able to track this will actually, you know, inform us on, on a way forward down the line. Thanks, David, Jakob and Rob. It was great to have you with us and we hope to hear from you in future episodes of the Okra Legacy podcast. Thank you for listening to the first episode of the Okra Legacy podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the Okra project, visit us at okra-project.eu or you can follow Okra Project on Twitter, LinkedIn or YouTube.